listening to The Currency. Welcome. I'm Mike Gaston, and I am your host. Thanks for joining me today. This is episode number 104 of The Currency. And uh, the date that I'm recording this, it's October 31st, Sunday, 2021. That's right. You guessed it. It is Halloween as I record this. Now, a quick note. Uh, the neighborhood that we moved into here in Charleston, lovely neighborhood. One of the things I love about this neighborhood is that the kids are children in this neighborhood, various ages, young boys and girls, uh, adolescents, a couple teenagers. They actually play out of doors. That's right. They don't sit there sweaty little fat pasty nerds with their thumbs twitching away on their gaming consoles. They're outside playing baseball, kickball running around, yelling, riding bicycles, and so on. So as I record this, and being that it's Halloween, it's in the afternoon, the sun is shining, it's in the high 60s right now, going to get up into the low 70s. But I think there's a general sense of excitement in the neighborhood as to what is coming. And so the kids are outside making a little bit of noise. So if you hear some activity, dogs barking, maybe the odd voice yelling in the background, please know that I am living in the Leave it to Beaver neighborhood. (laughs) I'm living in the 50s over here, kids. Kids actually playing out of doors. Imagine that. Things only uh, heard of in storybooks and old movies. I'm glad to be here today. I'm going to talk a little bit about the rebranding of Facebook into Meta Platforms Incorporated. Maybe you've heard this. I don't know how you'd miss it if if you missed it, but Back on Thursday, just a few days ago, I want to say October 28th or 27th, whatever Thursday was, uh, I could be, I could be, I couldn't bother to check. Uh, they announced that they are changing their corporate name. They're going to change from Facebook to Meta. Now, Facebook, the platform, the piece of software that you interact with, the thing that you log into to see what your ex is doing and who she's hanging out with and how great her life is. And uh, and then you, of course, try to make her jealous by posting how great your life is. That platform, Facebook, is staying the same. But they're taking a page out of Google's handbook. Google, I think in 2016, maybe it was 17, I don't remember. Google turned around and said, hey, uh, we're Alphabet. So they created a holding company, kind of a master company, of which Google is a part. And they have a bunch of other companies underneath that umbrella corporation. Well, Looks like Facebook's doing the same thing. They're going to become meta. And of course, as you know, most of you must know, I would imagine you know this, Facebook, not only is Facebook, it owns Instagram, it owns WhatsApp, it's got Facebook Messenger, uh, Oculus, the virtual reality company. It's got all these businesses. And so meta now becomes this parent company. They're going to start trading under a new uh, symbol on the stock market that that relates to Meta. I forget exactly what the what the uh, symbol is. It's obviously has an M in it uh, to represent Meta, and they've got the domain Meta.com. I, I, you know, they've kind of snapped up anything. Has to, I think they own the Twitter handle Meta at Meta. So they've they've done this rebranding, and it made a lot of noise. I mean, I I, I kind of. I heard a little bit about it, although I didn't, when it first happened, I didn't dive right in. I'm not one of these people that that gives too much of a rip as things break. I used to. Like when I was younger, I wanted to make sure I was on top of everything as it happened. I just felt compelled to be in the know. There was a sense of worth almost. Like like if you're in the know, uh, you you must be this special group. And that could apply to, to music, that could apply to pop culture and so on. 
I find myself, oh, oh, in technology too, let's not forget that. I mean, you got to be kind of first with the tech if you really want to be one of these people. As I've gotten older and I've kind of come to terms with who I really am and what values I truly hold in this life, in this world, I could give a rat's rear end about this stuff as it breaks. I like to know about it because I think it's important to understand these things, to frame these things, to contextualize them in, in the in the bigger you know, story that's happening around us, you know, what's informing these ideas? What do these ideas mean for us? How will they impact the future going forward? Uh, what are the pros, the cons, and so on? So I, I deeply care about these things, but I could be arsed as far as, you know, getting on the minute there's something going on. People are like, well, did you watch, you know, the Apple's unveiling of the, and I'm like, absolutely not. I mean, I might go back and watch a clip on YouTube. I'm not sitting there watching some live stream of some BS corporation trying to sell us their latest shtick. So that's me. Am I a cynic? I don't know. I just think I've got bigger, bigger, more important things in my life than hanging on every word that, that proceedeth from Mark Zuckerberg's mouth. So, so anyway, uh, no attitude whatsoever. You know, me just, uh, I, you know, I don't have much of an opinion on anything. That's why you listen, right? No opinion. The no opinion show, one of my favorite podcasts, the no agenda show. And if any no agenda listeners are out there, uh, in the morning to all of you, um, but they're great. Uh, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, but the whole kind of shtick of the show is they deconstruct the media. They don't have an agenda. They're not right wing. They're not left wing. They just want to get through the BS and get to the truth. Maybe I'm the no opinion show, which is totally not what I am. I mean, I, I say that in jest, obviously, because I have quite a few strong opinions and it's my pleasure to share them with you. So thanks for joining me. We're going to talk about meta platforms. I want to just cover a few things about this. And, and before we get into it, I have to, I just have to share with you kind of my initial reaction to this. So, you know, for those of you that don't know, I am a marketing consultant. I do a lot of branding work and a lot of brand strategy. I build brand platforms, write uh, brand stories. Um, and then, of course, I get into marketing strategy and business strategy. I focus solely on privately owned businesses. But a lot of these businesses, they could be 10, they could be 60, they can be close to $200 million in revenue. I work with smaller companies too, but just because they're private doesn't mean they're small. But it's fun to get in there and figure out the branding. I do a lot with branding. And career-wise, I used to own a design agency and had a really talented group of people. We did a lot of branding work there. We worked for companies like Fisher Price Toys, Bird's Eye Foods. Wegmans, uh, food markets, etc. So I've got a fair amount of exposure and experience with brand and brand strategy. So I, I want you to understand, I'm, this isn't, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, I'm wonderful. You should get in touch with me. Hire me to do all kinds of work for you. That's great. I'm not sharing this with you to, to, to impress you. I'm just saying, like, I, I have some context when I look at this. And, and I'm looking at the Facebook brand. And when I first, my first reaction was like, I just couldn't help but roll my eyes for two reasons. I mean, two, two specific things. You know, the name, first of all, Meta, it was, it's just so, it's almost like we were, you know, like in the movies, you've got an evil villain. By the way, there are the dogs barking out there. If you guys can hear them, but like the kids are playing, dogs are barking. Welcome to America. I, I, so I'm waiting for someone to knock on the door and just hand me some apple pie. I mean, that's how great it is down here. And I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I know I'll get right back to the branding, but in a couple hours, Lydia and I, Mrs. G and I are going to walk down the street uh, to, to a house. There's going to be a bunch of folks like our age, a little older, 
kind of the, you know, we're in our mid fifties. I'm in my mid fifties. Lydia's very young, very young, but I'm in my mid fifties. We're going to hang out for an hour or two with them, have a couple soda pops, adult beverages, maybe have some chili con carne, hang out with those folks. Then a couple hours later after that, we're, and that party's going to keep going. We're going to walk down back towards our house, the house next door to us. They do like a neighborhood Halloween, crazy Halloween party every year. And that's going to be chock full of families and kids. And they got all the stuff in the front yard, you know, the, the gravestones and all that kind of jazz. So we're going to hit a couple parties. Then when it gets really dark, everybody goes home, you turn your lights on and you start dispensing the sugar to the children, the marauding gangs of children that rove the neighborhood. And uh, so that'll be fun. So that's kind of the neighborhood we're living in. Anyway, moving on. When I first saw this, I saw the name Meta and I just rolled my eyes because I'm like, it's almost like everything is becoming a pastiche. Everything is becoming so cliche that it's, that it's, that it's a cartoon of itself. You know, if you, it, the name meta itself is like meta, you know, it's like, oh, it's so grand. It, it's all encompassing, you know, oh, it's meta. We're going to be meta. And, and we're going to break down the word meta in a little bit here. But like, like the fact that they would name themselves that, you know, you go back to Google and they're kind of taking a page out of Google's book store, you know, book, I think back in 2016, 17, whatever, you know, Google said, hey, let's, uh, let's call ourselves Alphabet. And that becomes their parent company. Then underneath them, you know, they've got uh, Google and all these other companies that they've acquired through the years. But even Alphabet, Alphabet's like the building block. Like you can't have language without an alphabet. You know, the Phoenicians invented the alphabet that we use here, the Western alphabet. And it's like the building blocks of language and communication and sharing ideas. It's what created the Western world in some ways is the the alphabet. And so that, that's that's at least it's a little it's a little creative in that alphabet has become so common and such a commodity that you have to think for a minute. You have to think for a minute to kind of understand, you know, the story behind it, like the importance of it, because an alphabet, you just take it for granted. It's like, oh, the alphabet, you know, everybody learns it, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yep, whatever. It's kid stuff. But with meta, it's so, it's so kind of on the nose, if you will. It's, it's so like, we're going to be grand. We're going to be huge. We're going to be an umbrella over everything. It's kind of like Zuckerberg just embracing his persona as this evil alien robot overlord that wants to take over everything. It's like this, it's just so on the nose. Like there's, there's no subtlety to it. There's no creativity behind it. It's just in your face. And then add insult to injury, you look at the actual logo mark, the graphic that they use with that. And it's the, it's essentially the infinity symbol. So you got the name meta with the infinity symbol. And it's like, Guys, there's no subtlety here. It's it's a it's 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 almost a cliche. It's almost like is this an April Fool's joke? Like I had to look at my calendar. What's the date? You know, is this April first? It, 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 it's comical. And and when you look at these things, it's like, especially coming from a company like Facebook. If if somebody else said Meta that wasn't Facebook level, you know, it's some. I know some company that wants, it's like a new um, package delivery service, a startup that's going to go to, you know, 
it's going to try to beat out FedEx and UPS. They call themselves meta delivery. You go, okay, I, like you wouldn't bat an eyelash. But when it's somebody like Facebook that has billions of users every day, it's collected all the data on freaking everybody. There's all kinds of controversy around this company. I mean, this company's just horrible. It's just, this company is a cancer. It is a cancer. It's a metastasized cell in our society that just keeps replicating itself and it's killing us. I mean, that just is what it is. I don't care if you love Facebook, hate Facebook. It is bad for humanity. I'm just going to put that out there just in case anyone's wondering where I'm coming from. It's not that any of you are wondering, but to call yourself meta, I mean, it kind of reminds me if you go back a little while, the CIA rebranded themselves and they came up with this whole branding. It's like very, um, you know, everything's black and very sleek and sophisticated. And it's essentially what you would expect a spy, a national spy agency's branding to look like in some really cool, slick action movie. So here's the CIA, whose job is supposedly really important to gather intelligence, et cetera, on behalf of the people of the United States of America. Uh, well, that's <laughs> that's under fire, that, that concept right now, but that's a whole other podcast for another time. And they came out with this rebrand not too long ago, and it, and it almost looked like, again, like a supervillain's sleek branding for the supervillain super villain CIA secret agency that you'd see in some stupid movie, some Hollywood movie. And, and what, what I'm seeing is this trend of companies developing brands to connect with an audience that has no sophistication, no depth. If the audience is immersed in pop culture and watching all these movies and loving these movies, and these organizations are feeling like, well, we should brand in a way that they relate to. Well, what they're relating to are pastiches, they're cartoons, they are, and when I say cartoon, I don't mean an animation, but it's like a simplified kind of sh uh, shorthand version of what the real thing is. There's no sophistication. There's, there's no faceted aspect to it. There's no detail. There's, there are no layers. It's just on the nose. It's like, here it is, supervillain. You know, we're going to call ourselves meta. Anyway, I'm going on and on. But when you take that name meta and you put it with, when you put it with this logo, it's like, guys, how, how uncreative could you be? But I think the thing for, for Facebook is, and I think they're right in this. I, I, it doesn't matter. I can sit here as a branding person, as a creative person, as just a thinker, and so can you. You don't have to be a branding person to go, this is really lazy. This is pop culture. This is silly. It's not going to matter. And, and that's the world we live in right now. That The society has lost a level of sophistication. It has lost the context with which it is able to see and understand things like the name meta or the infinity loop as a symbol. As long as the products are entertaining over time, people aren't going to care, quite frankly. You know, we, we struggled in the past from the very generic names, international business machines, international business machines. I mean, how generic is that? We make business machines for the world. International business machines, IBM, became huge. United Parcel Service, UPS, United Parcel Service, very boring. General Electric, General Electric, okay. <laughs> like, what do they do? 
I don't know, they just make electric stuff. And and that's exactly what they do. They, they were making jet engines and washing machines and refrigerators. And I mean, they make everything. So we had a period of time where everything was very generalized, very generic, uh, very, very categorized, the names. And, and now we're in this era where everything is almost cliched. It's become flattened. It's it's become devivified. The life has been taken out of these things. Yes, I know I just repeated myself. That's what devivification is, Mike. And and what we're left with are these stylized, aesthetic cartoons, these kind of shorthand wink-wink uh, for brands. And I think it's too bad. And I think it is a reflection on us. I don't think it's just that, well, Facebook is evil and they chose a, this name that's kind of ominous and, and overarching on, you know, because they're evil. I think it reflects on us. I think we get the brands that we deserve. Uh, I'm not accusing everybody in society of being an idiot. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not this artist on the top of the mountain that's too good to come down to society and humanity because I'm, I'm so sensitive. <laughs> I'm reminded of the King Missile song, Sensitive Ours. Great song. If you don't know it, uh, fire up Spotify or YouTube and look for King Missile, Sensitive Artist. <laughs> it's set to the uh, song Wantanamena. <laughs> it's, great. <laughs> it's great. Thank you so much, indie music of the 90s. Uh, I don't know when that came out. That would have been late 80s, maybe late 80s, early 90s. I think late 80s. So let's talk a little bit about Facebook. I want to get into this whole meta thing, and there's somewhere I want to go with this, but I don't want to, I don't want to waste more time than I already have. Let's talk a few facts about Facebook. I think this is important to get some statistics under our belt and understand what's going on with this company. You know, I've been saying for a long time, like Facebook is dead. And as a marketing uh, consultant, I often will advise my clients, don't even bother. We've, I have a Facebook account only because on behalf of my clients, sometimes I need to get on there and do some research or help set up a campaign, et cetera. I don't get too much into that stuff, but I need to have it just so I'm able to be, to have access, et cetera. It's good for grabbing data and statistics. But, you know, according to Facebook, and they put some information out, uh, I want to say early 2021, they say they've got 2.8 billion monthly active users. That's not just people that are signed up, but every month, 2.8 billion people are using faith, Facebook, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook. Now, this means like this 2.8 billion isn't just Facebook, the platform. This is like one of their, you know, someone's that could include like Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, uh, Facebook Messenger. The only app I do use Instagram, I, like every once in a while, I, f I always forget I have it. And every once in a blue moon, I'm like, oh, maybe I should post a picture, you know, of this uh, lovely plate of sushi. <laughs> I try not to pace, uh, post too much about food, but every once in a while I'll post a pretty scene or something. Okay, great. Traveling, you take a shot. Then I'll scroll through and then I, I won't think about it again for two weeks. Uh, I do use Messenger. I've got one or two friends that like to communicate, remote friends that'll communicate via Messenger. It's one of the suite of different messaging apps that I use. So I do use that. But Facebook itself, like I'm never on it. In fact, I went on it today in preparation. I was like, gosh, I haven't been on Facebook in months. And I, I had to be honest. I was surprised at how many people that I know are actively using Facebook. Now, I tell clients, like, don't bother. Facebook's dead. And my reason for that, my rationale is not that there's no one on it. I mean, clearly 2.8 billion active users across their platform. And then their daily users are 1.84 billion daily. I mean, that's, that's 
those are real numbers. Uh, but my reason is even when you're doing paid campaigns, it's really hard to break through the noise. I find Facebook, it used to be this like really cheap, very effective platform for advertising. And I think it still is depending on what you're doing, but it's not a slam dunk anymore. It's often a very frustrating, disappointing system. And then of course they're always getting their hooks in you trying to get you to do more. Interface is a, is a, is not that great. I mean, you know, they keep, it's clean in some ways, but it's just, it's really, it's not intuitive and too many layers and yeah, whatever. Uh, so that's Facebook. Supposedly 59% of social media users use Facebook pretty actively. So supposedly it's, it's, you know, like it says it's the king of social media. Not sure that that's true or not. Uh, they brought in, now check this out. This would have been ad revenue in the last quarter of last year. So Q4 2020, that would be, uh, October, November, December of last year. $27.2 billion in revenue in one quarter, in one quarter. I mean, think about that. $27.2 billion in ad revenue, Q4 2020. That's just, it's just mind numbing. And they claim that about 200 million small businesses around the world use its tools, things like advertising and connecting. And they've got pages, of course, and they do business with their Customers. That's 200 million small businesses uh, around the world. That's kind of crazy. And then they say about 63%, six out of 10 Americans uh, over the age of 12 and over, over the age of 12, say that they use Facebook. So over 50% of the adult population, when I say adult, we're talking, you know, adolescents all the way up, say they use Facebook. And, and I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I am in a way. But when I went online today just to see Facebook, I was stunned at how many people were posting to Facebook. And I could tell these were not friends that were using some type of cross-posting like they posted to one app like Twitter and it just auto-posted to Facebook. This They're creating Facebook posts. And it's all kinds of stuff, you know, new grandchild and got engaged and just all the stuff that people post all the time. Uh, they're using Facebook pretty actively. Now, here's the kind of the crazy thing that, that the average time spent on Facebook is 19 and a half hours per month. Now, this is on the Facebook app. This isn't across all their apps, but they're saying time on Facebook, almost 20 hours on average per month. So people that are using Facebook, which supposedly half the population, they're spending 20 hours a month. That's, that's half a working week a month. That's, that's a lot of time. That adds up. I mean, you're essentially giving them about three years of your life. If you add this up year after, month after month, year after year, you, you, you extrapolate that out across an adult life. And it's like you give them about three years of your life sitting on Facebook. That's just, wow, that's something. All right. So that's just a few kind of statistics to kind of give you some context now, Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg, in his founder's letter about Meta, he publishes on October 28th, and he announced what they're doing. There's a whole video. And a lot of this concept, this, this, uh, this name Meta, revolves around, you know, kind of a very specific direction, it seems like. I'm inferring this. They're stating it, so it's not like it's implicit. It's explicit in their letter and the different content, the video that they put out. 
but essentially they're calling themselves meta because of the metaverse. Now, maybe you've heard the phrase the metaverse before. And if you have, you probably imagine or it, it kind of conjures up here on Halloween. It conjures up a witch's brew. It conjures up this image of like the virtual world. Remember the, the game First Life? That was like a big thing for a while. It never really, I mean, it became a huge thing, but it tanked. But this idea of this virtual world, the metaverse. Now, that, that idea was first, that word was first kind of coined by Neil Stevenson, one of my favorite authors, uh, fiction authors, in his, in his uh, what, was, what was Stevens, and I'm going to go blank, I can't believe it because I read it when it came out. Oh, where is it? So what's Stevenson's first book? It was Snow Crash. That's right. That was published in 1992. And I remember reading that. I was a young married fella. I remember reading Snow Crash. I was like, wow. I mean, it was just such a cool book. You, you'd call it cyberpunk. William Gibson, these guys, even back in the 80s. Now, the we're writing books called in this genre, subgenre called cyberpunk. But, but Stevenson coined this term... Uh, in, in this book, Snow Crash of the Metaverse. And this is this place where humans, they've got these avatars and they're just interacting with each other and, and also with software like AI entities in this three-dimensional kind of virtual space that uses the metaphor of the real world. So, you know, you go down this, like the information highway, it was a literal highway. There'd be buildings and you could go in and you can interact with each other. It was this whole digital world that, that all these people were playing. And so this snow crash kind of built a story around this, this metaverse, this thing that happened in the metaverse and what were the, what were the uh, implications and the different players and so on. Um, there's another guy, he's a science fiction author named Werner Vinge, um, and he, he, I think also a professor in 1981, he had a novella called True Names. He kind of uh, started this concept even before uh, uh, Stevenson popularized it and coined the term metaverse. So this has been kicking around for a while, but this concept of cyberspace, this place where people will live online. You see it um, for all of you dirty nerds out there, and I love you all. Uh, one of the Star Wars, not the, not the, not Star Wars, sorry guys, oh my gosh, Star Trek, um, you know, that was Deep Space Nine or Voyager or whatever, the one with Picard, but they had this holodeck, you know, and they could go and, and live in a virtual world and exercise or meet with people or just live out some type of fantasy, you know, go back to the 40s and be a gangster with zoot suits and Tommy guns. That was, uh, you know, another example of this. So this idea of the metaverse and, and when Zuckerberg announced meta, he talked a lot about the metaverse, that they believe that this is where the world is going and that they are renaming their company and creating this corporate structure with this umbrella, the meta, um, meta platforms, Inc., kind of in, in recognition of the metaverse, that, that we as a society, we as human beings, as technology continues to grow, are going to more and more transition into this metaverse experience. And what, what Zuckerberg is saying, he uses this interesting phrase in his letter and in the video uh, where they announce this whole thing. He talks about the metaverse as being an embodied internet. That, that we're going to have the feeling of presence and that this feeling of presence is going to be the fundamental building block 
of the metaverse that right now, you know, I might be looking at a little screen. Maybe you're listening to this. Maybe you're watching a video on your phone. You know, we're using a lot of mobile devices these days. And so you're looking at a little screen, you're watching videos, we're maybe having Zoom meetings. We're looking at little screens. But the the metaverse is going to come to replace all that, that the, that the internet, this thing that we're using to, to have these kind of remote digital connections is going to become embodied. It's going to become a physical world where you can sit and look around you. And as you move your head, you're looking around a virtual room and you can choose to, to be different characters, wear different clothing. You can, you know, defy the laws of gravity, join friends in these environments that creators make and have three-dimensional art and interact with each other and so on. It's going to become this virtual world where you can essentially do anything. And so they're calling the company Meta in recognition of the metaverse and Facebook's interest in promoting and being the leader, kind of the foundation of this metaverse. Essentially, they're saying we're going all in on this. I find this very interesting. I find this very interesting. And troubling too, you know. I tongue in cheek said, you know, it's it's Halloween, and so I've got a a scary story for you. But there is a scary element to this, and I and I know I'm going to be a Cassandra. I know I always am. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and warn you. Oh my gosh, it's you know. I I just think this has troubling implications. But even worse than having troubling implications, and tr- and by troubling implications, let me just talk about that for a second. If you remember back just a handful of months ago, which is forever in these late in these times we find ourselves in, Chen Saki, the spokeshole for the uh, spokesperson, I'm sorry, did I say that? Uh, the spokesperson for um, the most popular president ever, Joe Biden, people. Come on, give him a round of applause. Uh, <laughs> she made a comment. She said, you know, we're working very closely with Facebook and other social media platforms to make sure that the content that's out there on those platforms is accurate when it comes to COVID-19. And we're giving them guidance on what's good and what's not good. And we're working with them to take down content that's not good, et cetera. And that was, that was, and nothing came of that. Uh, Technically, there are some laws on the books that the government is not supposed to work with the media, media companies, et cetera, to coordinate what information is out there and what isn't. That's technically illegal. Uh, Nothing came of that, of course, because in this modern world, uh, you can just, you know, almost go to prison just because people accuse you of being a Nazi. Uh, But on the other hand, if you're of the right political party, you can pretty much do anything. And it doesn't really seem to be much in the way of uh, rep. Repercussions. So, again, this is the no opinion show. I have no opinion about any of this, but um, she made this interesting comment, essentially saying that we're working very closely with with Facebook and other social media platforms. So, when a guy like Zuckerberg starts to talk about this metaverse and how we're all going to be living this embodied internet, this is going to be how we work and play. That this is the future for us. And at the same time, you see a closer and closer integration, not just a snuggly relationship, but an integration behind or between uh, platforms like Facebook 
and the U.S. government. Another example of this would be Google. If you if you remember the Times article that came out, again, we're just going to keep rubbing salt in the wounds here. But the Biden election, you know, the, the election was contested. There's all kinds of BS going on right now. There's even audits where they're suppressing the outcome of the audits, the different states. This is just, it's just, guys, it's a mess. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, America is a mess right now. Love this country. Love a lot of the people. Not all of them. Uh, love you guys, though. You know that, right? Uncle Mike loves you. But <laughs> it's a wreck and, and there's a lot of contention. But but if you remember the Times article that, that I talked about on one of these episodes quite a ways back where they were crowing about how proud they were, uh, these people that had, were able to organize not only a resistance against Donald Trump, but how they were able to leverage the election to provide a favorable, favorable result. And they used data and they used data science and they leverage all kinds of stuff. And I mean, you know, in, in, in players like some of these big uh, social media players were in on the game and they leverage things like Google, Facebook, and so on. Uh, even, even this recent, um, <laughs> even this recent whistleblower, quote unquote, I forget her name. Uh, she made the news a few weeks ago that came out and said, oh my gosh, I worked at Facebook and I'm going to go before Congress. It's like, it's so funny, like how, how she became this Overnight, like have to get in front of Congress. Who is this person? This is this is a joke. Obviously, this is not legit. This is a fake out somehow. There's something going on here. But she gets up there and says, "Oh, they need to be regulated, you know, because oh, uh, young girls and their self-image and Facebook's horrible and it's got all these algorithms that are terrible." And then Facebook's me like, "Yeah, you know, we really do need to be. Uh, this needs to be looked into." I'm sorry, something's going on here between the government and these massive social media platforms like Facebook. I think Facebook, obviously, probably Google, who knows with Twitter. Uh, but the fact being, as we're seeing our lives supposedly going to be mediated uh, in the metaverse, this online kind of world that Facebook's going to be responsible for creating, and you see this, I mean, that alone is just not healthy. We're going to talk about that in a second. But then when you see this relationship that is blossoming between um, the progressive left welfare state and these platforms like, thank you, Mr. Motorcycle. You guys hear that really nice motorcycle going down the road? Between them and, and platforms like Facebook, I mean, this is scary. Because essentially people are going to be jacking into the matrix, plugging into the matrix, oblivious, and they're going to be overloaded with a sensory experience created by an entity that is in cahoots with the government. I mean, it's just, it's the stuff that science fiction is made of. It's like, it's total science fiction dystopia. Philip K. Dick would be proud of this, this kind of science horror. I mean, this is where it's going. And yet we just gleefully move along. If you also remember, Facebook came up with its own uh, digital currency. Was it the Libra coin or something like that? So, I mean, all the pieces are coming into, into position. So this idea of an embodied internet, and I want to I focus on that a little bit. Before we do, let's talk a little bit about what the word meta means. So a lot of people are like, well, if you look up, I mean, there's all this internet conspiracy immediately, you know, it, meta in Hebrew means death. And you need to go through this whole thing. Meta is a Greek word. That's a Greek word, kids. It's not Hebrew. It doesn't matter what it means in German. This isn't, you know, it's the meta is from the Greek. It's ancient Greek that has survived through to 
popular common Greek, modern Greek. In, in very simple terms, it has historically meant the concept of beyond or after, meaning like metaphysics beyond physics. You know, so you have the, the study of physics and then metaphysics is like, well, what's beyond physics? So when you talk about metaphysics, you're, you're essentially talking about things like the spiritual world. Uh, so that would be metaphysics. Um, you know, the, the depth of things like truth and the existence of, of a God or spiritual forces and so on. That's metaphysics. You know, another example of that would be like uh, metabolism, metabolism or uh, metamorphous, beyond morphous. Like this, this kind of, it's this beyond or after concept. Th that's kind of the original concept with, with Greek, the way that we've at least used it in, in English. But, but there's another kind of way that we use meta in, in kind of the internet world. And it's almost like, how do you explain it? It's like, it, it, it's like meta equals something about something. So for instance, um, if you have metadata, it's data about data. It's the data that tells you about the data. If you have metacognition, it's thinking about thinking. Uh, you have meta stories. A meta story is kind of a story about stories. Often you'll hear people talk about that. And then, you know, off like in, the, in a website, it's like metadata, the metadata. So if you put out a piece of content, you know, you've got your title, there's the length of the video, all this kind of stuff. But in the code, you can put in some metadata. You know, what are the keywords? What's the description? There are things, there's, there's stuff about that content that you can put in there that then your web browser and different platforms can read. So this idea of meta, and I think this is, this is kind of where Zuckerberg and, and team are going with this. It's this concept of like, you know, the way it's used, it, it's like data about data. So this Meta Platform Inc., their new company, it's it's a platform about platforms. It's it's like the Uber platform. I mean, Meta's kind of become also this meaning of Uber. It's like the ultimate. But I think they're saying this is a platform about platforms, which ties into their whole metaverse story that they're telling right now. Another interesting thing about them is they own a company called Oculus, which is one of these virtual reality, you know, you slap this big headset goggle thing on and you're in this virtual world and they've got games. And so Oculus just at the same time renamed itself to, to, um, to Metaverse something. I forget. They, they've got a Metaverse name. I should look that up. I've got the link here somewhere. But Google's own you know, kind of virtual reality company is renaming itself to incorporate the metaverse brand in there. Uh, it might be something like meta, meta experiences. I forget. We'll have to look it up. Not going to do it right now because why? Well, because I'm union and I don't have to. <laughs> so anyway, where am I going with all this? Let's, let's wrap this thing up here. Here's my concern. I've talked to you about the government involvement. I've talked to all this. The thing that really stands out to me, I've got to go back to this concept of an embodied internet. And I've been thinking a lot this year about the concept, and I've been more than just this year, but more so this year about abstraction. You know, contextualized versus decontextualized. So abstract versus concrete, you know, this, this idea of abstraction. 
there's so much in our lives that, that, that is abstracted. And when things are abstracted, when they're taken out of their context, they lose some of their meaning. And then we often uh, find ourselves interacting with these things differently and they affect us differently. And they're all levels of abstraction. And all abstraction is not bad necessarily. Take money, for instance. Money is an abstraction. You know, we get focused on money, like how much money do you have? How much do you earn? How much money are you being paid? We're kind of focused on the money. Money is an abstraction. Essentially, what we're really looking at is wealth creation. It's wealth. How is wealth created? Well, it's money. No, wealth is not money. When you do something of value that other people want or value, you, you, you plant grapes and you nurture grapes and you, you, this is work. You're doing physical labor. The sun shines down those grapes. The rain comes down. You harvest the grapes. Right there, you've done something valuable. You've created wealth, but even more so, once you take those grapes and you crush them and ferment them and bottle them and slap a label on them, and now you're able to charge $50 a bottle and you got a thousand bottles, you've got wealth. You've created something that people want all through your labor. And, and we use money. Money is an abstraction. It's a way to move that wealth around. You come in and work for somebody, and people just don't get this. They are creating wealth for the company, and the pay, the money that they're being given, is a way for the company to say, we're sharing some of that wealth with you. If you want to learn how to make a lot of money or you want to make more money than you're making, start thinking about the wealth that you're creating. And don't do the stupid thing like, oh, you know, I work so hard and the boss makes all kinds of money and I'm just taking... That's just stupid. Start thinking about the actual wealth that you create. What is it that you do that's valuable? Why is it valuable? Who is it valuable to? What's it worth in the economy that you're a part of? Start thinking about how you contribute. And this is the problem with abstraction. Money abstracts wealth from your labor, from your ingenuity, from your experience and your productivity. Once you start talking in terms of money, you think it's about the money, but it's really about you and what you bring to the table and how you contribute. And the people that understand this have more productive relationships and conversations with the people they work for. They're able to sit down and go, well, you know, Ted, I love working here. Great company, great people. And here's how I'm being transformational. Here's how I'm creating wealth. Here's my contribution. Now, look, I understand companies got to make money. I'm not here to keep it all for myself. If I were, I'd just go into business for myself, but I'm willing to help and to contribute. But I think I need a bigger slice of that pie, Ted, because you know, if I weren't here, I'm not sure you guys could make that kind of money without me. You couldn't make that wealth, if you know what I'm saying, Ted. <laughs> and people that understand that are able to have constructive conversations. They can negotiate for themselves. They earn more, and rightfully so. But when you abstract money, when you abstract wealth into money, people it's now decontextualized. It's taken out of the context of the wealth that you're creating. It's just an object that you want, and everybody wants it. I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this, but this process of, of abstracting things, of decontextualizing, of detaching them from the very thing that, that they either represent or give them meaning, these are symbols. Symbols are abstractions. When you look at a cross, it's a symbol. And people are like, well, the, and, and what we do is we start to invest magical properties into the symbol. And, and in some instances, 
the symbols do have other properties. I'm not trying to say that they're, they're, I'm not trying to be reductionist and say the cross is just a piece of wood. But what I'm saying is you look at the cross and you think that is the thing that saves you. No, it's the work that Christ did on a very specific cross that has bought us salvation. Does that symbolic cross have any place in our worship and our life? Yes, it does. And in various approaches to Christianity, look at that in different ways. But it is an abstraction. So we tend to abstract, we decontextualize things. And when we do that, we actually lose, because we've lost the bigger picture, we get focused on the thing in a way that's not productive, that's incorrect. And what's going on here with the metaverse and, and this you know breathy announcement by Mark Zuckerberg that we're going to have an embodied internet, this is, this is an abstraction. This is decontextualizing life. What he's essentially saying is we're going to start embodying the internet. Well, what, is, what does it mean to be embodied? I mean, that means to have a body. To have a body. And, and what you and I, the life that we live, the whole life that we live, we experience it through our bodies. We experience it through our bodies. We touch, we taste, we smell. You shake someone's hand. Is that hand warm? Is it cold? Is it dry? Is it damp? Is that grip firm? Is it loose? Is it awkward? You look at that person's face. Is it pleasant? Is it happy? Is it dour? What do they smell like? Do they have a pleasant smell? Do they smell clean? Do they smell like they haven't had a bath in a while? There, there are all these things that we experience through our bodies. That is embodiment. We experience reality through our bodies. You cannot experience anything as a human being without somehow engaging your body. And we have, through the ages, been continually disembodying life. We've been decontextualizing. We've been taking life out of the bodily experience. In fact, this last year or two, we've been quite isolated. We're not even allowed to physically be near one another. So our life is being disembodied. These Zoom meetings that you and I are all being subjected to, this is a disembodiment. Yes, meetings are horrible. And yes, I hated sitting in a conference room with 12 people around a conference table to go through some BS meeting. Yes, but it was an embodiment. We were in the room together. And you could say, I'm sorry, Don. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily agree. But you, but, but you were there. You were physical. You were in each other's space and you interacted and ideally something productive happened. Now what's going on? We're disembodied. We're decontextualized. We're just sitting with a screen. It's a grid. It looks like the Brady Bunch. Everybody's looking at you. You're trying to pretend to be engaged. You're trying to make sure that you're nodding at certain times. There's even a guy who did fantastic. I think he worked for the New York Times. I can't remember, but he essentially created video loops of himself in meetings and wondered how long it would take for the creative team, his editorial team, is one of the journalists uh, to notice. And he got more and more sophisticated and he went more and more detached where, and they had no idea. I mean, he did this thing for weeks and weeks and weeks and eventually told them via a video loop that he wasn't even there, that I haven't been in any of these meetings and uh, quite <laughs> kind of funny. But, but every aspect of our life is becoming more and more 
decontextualized, more and more abstracted. And so for Mark Zuckerberg to say, good news, we're going to embody the internet, and that's going to be the, the new uh, metaverse, I find that it, 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 it's, it's like Orwell's, you know, the doublespeak, you know, the ministry of love was they torture people, the ministry of love, like it's that doublespeak. It's when you say an embodied internet, that's not possible. You cannot physically embody the internet. Yes, you can simulate, you can create haptics that give you physical feedback. You can create sights and sounds. You can even pump smells. I remember there was, uh, back in the 70s or 80s, there was uh, experiments with could we pump smells into, you're watching a movie, could we pump smells into the movie theater so you create more of an enhanced experience. Like we can do all these things, we can approximate, we can represent, we can represent these things, but you, but you can't truly be present unless you're physically present. And this is exactly what Zuckerberg is saying. He says, we're going to embody the internet, we're going to quote, give you the feeling of presence. And this feeling of presence is going to become the fundamental building block of the metaverse. And what I have to say here is this is just a lie. It's not a lie that they're going to try to create this. It's not a lie that this technology will or won't work. The lie is that this is not going to fulfill your needs as a human being. And the scary part of this is more and more of society is being funneled and pushed and coerced into this. It's clear when you name your company Meta Platforms and you put the infinity symbol, some would say the symbol for God, infinity, only God is infinite. The rest of us, even all of creation, the universe is finite. You put the infinity symbol next to it, and then you tell us that you're going to embody the internet and give us the feeling of presence. You are lying to us. You know, I talk about the progressives and the left. It's like, oh, it's a lie. You know, it's a lie. You got to stand up to the lie. My goodness, is this a lie? This is a, this is a lie on a colossal level. This isn't just the lie that, oh, no, a man is truly a woman because the man decides to be a woman. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's a lie. And totalitarianism, you, you have to get along with the lie. But this is so far beyond totalitarianism because this is sucking society in to give it pleasure, to let it escape the realities of life, the pains, the dramas, the disappointments, the hurts, so that it can just have this embodied internet, this feeling of presence. Let me ask you a question. Those of you that are single, those of you that are married, et cetera, et cetera, do you want to have the feeling of being with someone that loves you or do you want to be with someone who loves you? Do you want to have the feeling of giving a beautiful woman or a handsome man a hug? Or do you want to actually give a beautiful woman or a handsome man a hug? Like, I know I would love to be able to hug my wife in real life. I don't want to have the feeling of hugging her. I want to hug her. I want to see her. I want to talk to her, touch her. I want to smell her hair when I give her a hug. I want to feel her warm skin. What is this idea of an embodied internet? And yet Zuckerberg is pushing us, and not just him, this is the technologists, these are the progressives, these are the people that believe we can create a utopia, a secular heaven on earth. We're just going to let you, 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 you can make every imagination a reality in the metaverse. 
And what you're actually doing, though, in the real world, the truth is you are carving out, you are excavating your soul to such a point that you will be depressed and, and empty and lonely and longing for your humanity back. You are being dehumanized. Now, I know this isn't tomorrow. They, they, look, they did a brand. They put a logo up there. This isn't like we're all going to be in the matrix tomorrow. I'm not over here going, oh, my gosh, get your guns, boys, because it's coming. It's on. It's official. It's on, boys. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is messed up. And it wouldn't matter if it were coming from some crappy little company. It's coming from a giant crappy company. This is the vision of Facebook, a company that is deeply embedded and entrenched and entwined with one of probably the most powerful government and society on the face of the earth, at least for now, not for long. China's right at our heels. But you can, you can imagine that China's right along line with this. This is not outside of what China is trying to create as well. Now, you're saying, well, what am I? I'm not referring to anything specific here. I'm not like telling you, oh, there's a Chinese version of this. And then next, I don't know. I'm just saying this is in line with where human society seems to be going when it comes to technology. This idea of an embodied internet, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite of embodiment. It is disembodied. And the more disembodied, the more abstracted, the more decontextualized, life becomes, experience becomes, the more dehumanized, the more empty, the more broken, the more hollowed out we become. We are becoming hollowed out. Our cultures, our societies, our communities, and our souls are becoming hollowed out by this progressive vision of a utopia. My friends, this utopia is a hell on earth. What's more hellish Oh my gosh, you're going to burn in a lake of fire. Yeah, that would be horrible. Never ending, never quenched. But there's, there's a part of me that wonders if this idea of just being so divorced from God, so empty, so unable to satisfy the inner pain, the deep inner pain that comes with being disassociated from your own humanity and from God, your creator, for eternity. That, that, that sounds... Like a, like a hell that I, I just, it's terrifying. It's more real to me than a, than a lake of fire. I'm not, I'm not saying that scripture is not accurate when it talks about a lake of fire. But this divorcement from God and from my own humanity and the, and the ache and the pain that that leaves. Why do you think so many people are in Prozac? Why do you think so many people are depressed? Why do you think so many people are bipolar? Like, why weren't they so depressed? Well, we just didn't know before. In the old days, they were depressed, but they just didn't. No, I'm sure some people were. Life was hard. I think we're hollowing out our own souls. We have been for a while in this, in this branding position by Zuckerberg and, and team to say, you know, we're going to become meta platforms. We become the platform of all platforms. And our goal is to embody the internet and to give everybody a feeling of presence. This is how you're going to live your life. You're going to do your work this way. You're going to do your play this way. Uh, this is going to be the future. If anybody doubts that this is where it's going. Take a look at where you are now. If, if two years ago I told you you would be doing all your work remotely and you'd be having all your meetings online and you, you'll get a new job and you won't even ever go into the office to meet. I, I mean, I know people making six figures have gotten new jobs throughout COVID and have yet to meet their teams. They're managing teams. 
They're ma- like, these are senior people responsible for managing. I don't mean like, yes, I'm managing a team of napkin folders and, and I've got three people and, you know, I have to check in to make sure they fold enough napkins. I'm talking about sophisticated global brands managing high level teams, multiple people, lots of professionals. They've never even gone into the office to meet anyone. They've never met each other. We're living in this metaverse now, a, a very rudimentary, crude l- version of it. You take a company like Facebook that's got this Oculus you know, technology, this AI technology that has 2.8 billion users on a monthly basis. <laughs> and they're saying, no, we, we, we really want to, we want to embody the internet. We want to create a feeling of presence. We want to create the metaverse. And that's why we're rebranding. And if you think if you think this is just all kind of a goofy lark, you know, go back to the statistic of how much money they made just in Q4 of 2020. Now, if I've got that tab open, hold on one second. I'll tell you how much that was. And some of you already remember it. But that was like, where's that number? They made $27.2 billion in one quarter alone. Kids, they've been doing this for over a decade Do you have any idea how much money they've probably got in their war chest? They can do this if they want to. And the thing about it is, this isn't just like, well, you know, I'm not really into scooters. Like Facebook is selling a scooter. I know a lot of kids love them, but I'm not into them. We are all living this way. And if you think for a moment that people will not buy into this metaverse concept, if you think for a moment that the elderly won't jack in, if you think for a moment that teenagers won't jack in, that 48-year-olds and 32-year-olds, moms, brothers, sisters, fathers, grandparents, if you think that they will not jack into this, you're nuts. Look at how people have been behaving the last few years. People are desperate to escape reality. Desperate. And we have become inured to this technology. We, we're used to it. This is how we live. So I think this branding is very interesting. At first, I rolled my eyes and I thought, how, how stupid, how, how obvious. This is just obnoxious. Then my mind went to the, well, you know, they're in league with the government. And then I, and then I, you know, I spent some time listening to Zuck talking about what they're doing in this concept of the embodied internet. And I just thought, what a lie. And yet we are, we are so primed. This isn't going to be Joe Biden coming down the pike, forcing you to go AI. You're going to want to go AI for convenience, for fun, for pleasure. On one hand, just as a casual detached observer, it's kind of interesting. It's interesting. I, I can't, I can't say it's not. What would life look like that way? What would the metaverse be like? Would it, you know, it, it's never going to be quite as good as they say. That's everything in life. It's never as good as they say. But on another level, this is, this is troubling because I think what they're essentially saying is we're going to replace reality with something better. We're going to embody this thing that you love. It's already a problem for most people. What do you do about it? Well, last time I checked, the air is still free to breathe. The sun still shines down. It's fall right now in many parts of the world. The leaves are beautiful falling. You can go put on your favorite sweater, get a pumpkin spiced latte, breathe a little bit of fresh air. Go hug somebody you love. Talk to them. Put all the electronics aside. Talk for a little bit. Let's live in the real world. I think there's an asset. I think there's a value 
for those of us that realize that life is being abstracted, that it's being decontextualized. The more we can contextualize life, the more we can be truly human, the more we can connect ourselves to truth. We can know our God. We can become more of what we were intended to be. I think the more of an advantage we'll have. This thing, it's, it's beyond human. It's subhuman. It's dehumanizing. I don't know what to call it. It's not good. And it's troubling. It's too bad. Not surprised to see this come out of Facebook, but this is not good for humanity. I go back to, I, I think I said in the opening, you know, Facebook's a cancer. It's a cancer. This, this, is a, this is a sickness. This is a metastasized cell that essentially needs to be destroyed. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I, I hope that we can deal with it before it's too late. But let me know what you think. Do me a favor, jump onto my website, mikegaston.com. Send me a message. You can just, there's a contact form there. I love getting your emails. Thanks to the folks that reached out last week, last episode. It's great to get your encouragement. People saying, hey, you're on the right track. I love, uh, keep, keep bringing the fire. Thanks for the shot in the arm. Good to know I'm not alone. Good to know I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. You're just, you're just, you're just seeing the bigger picture. And uh, you're probably a minority because a lot of people just don't see it. But let me know what you think. Shoot me a note. If you want, sign up for my newsletter. Been sending out that a little bit more often now. If you did sign up for it, you're not seeing the newsletter, check your spam folder because I do send out a... Uh, confirmation email. Sometimes it gets sent to a spam folder. I can see a number of people that signed up for the newsletter and, and they never click the confirmation. That's cool. And if you didn't mean to sign up and you don't want it, fine. But if you thought you were getting the newsletter and you're not, check your spam folder and uh, confirm that. Guys, as always, I love you all. I'm really grateful for your listenership, grateful for your encouragement and support. I hope you have a great week. I think the truth is a wonderful thing. I think the truth is valuable and I think it makes life worth living. If you're embracing the truth and doing the best you can to live the truth, then you know what? You're winning. You're living life at its fullest and that's what it's all about, to be truthful, to be honest, and to be a human being. Uh, I love serving God. I hope that you can... You know, I know everybody that listens doesn't necessarily believe in God or agree with me, but if you're really looking for the truth of all truth, you got to go deep. You got to look for Christ. Guys, I love you all, and I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you.